Welcome to the Getting Unstuck Podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Hello there. I am so excited to be here today and to finally have the opportunity to share with you what the stuck method is. I know you've been waiting to hear more about this, and today I'm going to give it to you in detail. So buckle your seatbelts, remove all distractions, turn off your phone and Facebook, and give yourself this gift today about learning this method and how you can start to apply this method to your life today. So we spoke about what it means to get stuck. And we spoke about the four prerequisites that you need before you can even think about getting unstuck. And if you haven't already listened to those episodes, please take your time and go back and listen to them before you listen to this episode. So here we go. The STUCK method is an acronym, S-T-U-C-K. Stop, tell, uncover, consider, okay. The STUCK method is a self-help technique that helps people get unstuck. And I created this method by learning, studying, and researching other therapeutic and psychological models, including mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapy and compassion therapy and many more. And I created this model by being inspired by thought leaders before me, including John Kabat-Zinn, and Byron Katie, and Pema Chodron, and many, many others. In a sense, the stuck method is not new. It simply extracts the best parts of other techniques that I have found helpful in my life and packages them into one way, one simple, easy to remember accessible and effective way of helping people move from stuck to unstuck. All of us have stories running through our minds throughout the day. And when you are stuck on something, you know the plot of the story, you are certain of it, you know all the characters, you know their motives, you can even predict their behaviors. But really, when you are stuck on something, You are only reaffirming your own beliefs to yourself and reinforcing your own point of view. Above all, you know you are right and everyone else around you is wrong. I'd like to offer an example to you to help you understand what I mean by a story and how you can apply a story to this method. So last summer, I was walking to my car with my kids, and I noticed there was a note on the windshield. The note was handwritten, 
and it was anonymous. And it said something like, you parked in two spots, you should be a bit more considerate next time. Hmm. Whoa, that like totally pissed me off for more reasons than I probably can even count. One was that I I parked on a dirt road, so it was impossible for me to have parked in two spots. Another reason that that note really pissed me off is that I happen to be a very considerate person, and I would never, ever, ever double park. Another reason that this pissed me off is that I live in a small community, and if my neighbor has a problem with me, they should come to me and not write notes on my windshield. Okay, so those were some of my initial thoughts in my mind. And that is my story. When you initially get stuck on something, you might be unaware that you are stuck. And therefore, you may not make any conscious efforts to even get unstuck. Remember, that first prerequisite. But when you can recognize that you are stuck, then you can turn to this method and take the first step to get unstuck, which is the S, which stands for stop. Now by stopping, I don't mean stop thinking about your situation. That's impossible. We cannot stop our thinking. But what I do mean by stopping is to redirect your attention away from your story to something else real and tangible in the moment and attend to that one thing fully. For me, that typically means closing my eyes and taking a breath or two or three. But there are many, many, many ways that you can take a stop. Will you indulge me for a moment? Can we try this? Wherever you are, okay, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. But otherwise, if you can, close your eyes just for a minute. I won't do this for too long. And just take a breath in and out. And now imagine doing that for a few seconds. Imagine doing that even for a full minute. Maybe in a future episode, episode we'll have a, uh, we'll dedicate it exactly to taking a stop. But imagine taking a stop in a moment in a stuck story. What stopping does is that it separates you from your story momentarily, and it begins the process that will ultimately guide you to a place of emotional well-being. When we are rushing through life, we oftentimes miss the opportunities to stop. But when you do stop, you temporarily put your story on hold and practice being mindful in that moment. You slow down the lightning fast reactivity of your brain and refrain from escalating the situation, which is what we typically do. When you stop In any one way or combination of ways, you submit to yourself that you are in control 
And you have the ability to break away from the story in order to be present. By stopping, even if it's momentarily, you also acknowledge that you are preparing to open yourself up to alternative ways of perceiving your stuck situation. My clients say, and I would agree, that stopping, while it is very simple, is probably the most difficult of all the steps in the stuck method. So I do think in a future episode, I'll speak more about this and how we can build up the stop muscle and the health benefits of taking regular stops in your life. But going back to my story, that's exactly what I did. I I recognized I was stuck. And I took a stop. I closed my eyes and I took a few breaths standing there right outside my car. The next step in the stuck method is the T, which stands for tell. In this step, we access our emotions. Acknowledging our emotions is an essential part of the stuck method because it is our attachment to our emotions that is causing us to feel stuck in the first place. In this step, we identify what we are attached to. In my book, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, you can find the stuck methods chart of emotions. This chart is divided into seven major emotions, fear, anger, aversion, pride, gloom, desire, and joy. Yes, we can even get stuck on a positive emotion, which we'll get to also later in a later episode. And alongside those major emotions in this chart inside my book are the related emotions. So for instance, under the major emotion of fear includes anxiety, apprehension, despair, distress, doubt, embarrassment, uncertainty, worry, and many others. I created this chart because naming your emotions can sometimes be really challenging. And when you look at that long list of emotions and you have it right in front of you, you can more easily identify the emotions that you are feeling. When we name how we are feeling, we typically say it in this way. I'm angry. But when I say it in that way, it's as if I and anger are one and the same, right? Like I'm Shira, I'm angry. But I'm not, of course. I'm not angry all of the time. I'm just angry in this moment. And so I suggest that you reframe the way you say it and say it in this way. I'm stuck on anger. And when you say it in this way, you give your brain a critical message that while you may be holding on to a certain emotion, that emotion is not your identity. It is merely what you are stuck on in that moment. Framing your emotion in that way, you will help 
to disentangle yourself from it because you can acknowledge that you are independent of it. And by affirming your independence, you can begin to understand that whatever emotion you are holding on to, it is temporary. And as you get stuck on an emotion, just like you can get stuck on a patch of Velcro, you can also get unstuck from it. Now, there's one more aspect to the step, which I will only mention in passing now, which is allowing yourself to feel your emotions in your body. It's really a topic for another episode, so I'm going to leave it there for a moment. But what we typically do when we have emotions is we tend to resist them or we tend to avoid them. We try not to feel our emotions. When you can take that moment and feel it, see if you, where you can feel it in your body. There's different places where we tend to hold our stress and our feelings and our emotions in our body. And when you can feel it, you will begin to release the emotion. Again, we'll come into that into a later episode. So when I was standing at the car, I basically told myself I was stuck on anger and I felt it in my fists. I felt it in my hands. That's where I was holding my anger. Once you identify your emotions, you can then proceed to the next step, which is you for uncover. This is where we begin to access your thoughts. This is where you take a moment and you imagine yourself the moment you got triggered. And you ask yourself, what was I thinking? What was that first thought that came to mind when I got triggered? In this step, you make a list of all of those thoughts, as many as you can come up with. You basically want to dig them all up. You want to gather as many beliefs that you possibly can about that particular situation. I highly recommend, and I really can't overemphasize the power of writing down your thoughts. Even if your stuck story is not super complicated, and it doesn't include a lot of details, and even if you think that writing might be silly or it might be a waste of time. Releasing your thoughts out of your mind and onto paper or onto a computer screen for you to reflect upon is so valuable and incredibly therapeutic. Doing this can help you contemplate your thoughts in a more objective way as if they no longer belong to you. Okay, so just like we had in the tell step, here too, there's a recommended way for you to articulate your beliefs. You can begin each belief statement by saying, I believe, as opposed to simply naming them one by one. By beginning each belief statement with, I believe, you will remind yourself whether you can see it in that moment or not, that your beliefs are exactly that. They are beliefs and not certainties. As you state each belief, or after you compile your full list, reflect upon each one. 
Check the validity of your belief statements and ask yourself, is this 100% accurate? Be honest. You may uncover feelings of shame or embarrassment with some of the things that you write down on that piece of paper. But don't worry, your beliefs don't reflect who you are as a whole, but they rather they serve to support your feelings in that current moment. Here are some examples from the story that I was just mentioning about the note on the car. So in my mind, I didn't have a piece of paper in that moment, but in my mind, I said to myself, I believe my neighbor should have come to me if she had a problem with me. And then I allowed myself to be curious. I asked myself, is that 100% accurate? And I answered myself, no. She, my neighbor doesn't necessarily have to come to me, I guess. If she has a problem with me, I guess she can deal with it in her own way. Another belief. I believe my neighbor should not be writing notes on my windshield. And I asked myself, is that 100% accurate? To which I answered, well, I guess not. I mean, it's not very nice to receive these notes on my windshield, but if she wants to write notes to me on my windshield, I guess she can. And another belief I had was, I believe my neighbor always thinks she's better than everybody else in the neighborhood. And I asked myself, Shira, is that 100% accurate? To which I answered, no. How do I really know what she's thinking all the time? And by the way, I keep using the pronoun she because even though the note was anonymous, well, you know, I think I have a pretty good idea of who would have written that note. So keep in mind that most of our beliefs are not entirely true. Oftentimes, our beliefs are exaggerations, generalizations, or categorizations. And when you write down your thoughts, you can look out for words such as always, never, needs to, should have, should not, etc. Those words might help you determine the accuracy of a belief. It is important to recognize what you believe because your story is likely to be slanted in ways that support your beliefs. And you will behave in ways that are consistent with them. The moment you notice that one or more of your beliefs is not 100% accurate is the moment you begin to realize the foundation of your story may be weak and even baseless. That is, We recognize that the story we had in our minds is exactly that. It's a story, one based on a narrow perspective, rooted in current emotions and fixed ways of thinking. The next step, C, is for consider another perspective. I encourage myself and my clients to practice stretching what I call their considering muscles. Just like we stretch our bodies in yoga, if you've ever tried that before, and you know, sometimes you, it's hard, maybe because you haven't stretched in a, a while. When you stretch your considering muscles, you're basically expanding your mind's capacity to think 
more broadly to include all possible angles and perspectives to your story. In this step of C, consideration, you are making a list of all of the considerations. You do not have to accept all of them. You just need to acknowledge them as possibilities. I have found that the most useful way to articulate considerations is by starting the sentence off with, I can consider, such as, I can consider my neighbor didn't feel comfortable approaching me. I can consider my neighbor doesn't have the social skills to come and speak to me. I can consider my neighbor was having a bad day. I can consider my neighbor is an angry person and her behavior has nothing to do with me. In this step, you you need to choose at least one new perspective from your list to take on. You and only you can make that choice. By the way, the emotion that you were feeling earlier, and maybe you're still feeling, it may linger. You can't necessarily control it, push it out of your life, but you can cradle it in a different way of thinking. Now, once you take on a new consideration, you are technically unstuck. Yet, there is one more step to the process. When you get stuck, you may feel at some point guilt or shame or embarrassment for having gotten stuck in the first place. This last step, K, which represents okay, reminds you to be compassionate towards yourself. We all get stuck on things. If we don't hold ourselves in compassion when we get stuck, we would be beating ourselves up regularly. Accept your human imperfections and forgive yourself. That's what this step is for. Remind yourself what you got stuck on and tell yourself it's okay. And that's exactly what I did. I said to myself, Shira, you got stuck on anger, and it's okay. So those are the five steps to emotional well-being of the stuck method. And that is the technique that my book, Getting Unstuck, is based on. I am confident because I have found that the more we can bring this method into our lives, the more we will learn how to flow better through life with a greater sense of emotional well-being, clarity, happiness, and abundance. Starting in the next episode, I will begin sharing stories with you so that you can learn and maybe laugh and maybe empathize with me how you can turn your own stuck stories into sources for energy and positive change. Until next time, I look forward to getting unstuck with you.
Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com. Thank you.